0: everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of Katie's Christmas Movie Countdown. I'm here with Otis, hey. Alexis, Hi. and Austin, What's up? and tonight we watched the 1990 classic, Home Alone. Now, this movie is fucking great. If you have not seen this movie, somehow, magically, in the last 30 years, where have you been? Austin had never <laughs> seen this film somehow. He was very, very sheltered, I guess. That's what we're going to go with. That's... This is his first watch, and did you like it?
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) Easy as that. There you
0: go. If you haven't seen this movie, you need to go see it right now. Stop what you're doing. Get your kids together and watch this fucking film, because it's great. Basic plot of this film, a family is going to go on vacation to France, and their power goes out because of a storm, and they wake up late in the morning, and they're rushing to get out of the house, and they miscount their kids and they leave Kevin behind. Kevin is eight years old and he's stuck at his house while his family, his entire giant family, is all in France. His parents realize on the plane that he's not there and freak out so they're trying everything they can to get a hold of him and of course, everyone in their neighborhood is also on vacation so they've got nothing. Meanwhile, Kevin is at home and there are burglars in his neighborhood going around and stealing everything they can from all the houses in his neighborhood and he has to basically defend his house from these burglars and make sure that they don't steal all his shit and also maybe murder him and it's just the trials and tribulations of an eight-year-old trying to save his house gonna run through about a million fun facts about this film and then we're going to get into the questions so, the picture of Buzz's girlfriend was a picture of a boy made to look like a girl because Chris Columbus thought it was too cruel to make fun of a girl like that. So, they were just like, fuck it, it's going to be a boy. That's
2: reasonable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, put a, just put a boy. So, uh, yeah, I'm cool with that. Uh, Catherine fun. O'Hara,
0: who plays the mom in this film, revealed in 2014, so just five years ago, that Macaulay Culkin still calls her mom. So, even now, you know, Macaulay's almost 40 and he still calls her mom, so that's pretty fucking cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Pesci kept forgetting that this was a family film mm. during the outbursts where he would, like, get hurt and he's like, fricka fricka fricka. And he kept saying fuck. <laughs> and Chris Columbus advised him to say fridge instead. So, a lot of times in this film, every time he gets hurt, he will say fridge, fridge, fridge. And that's just him trying to hide the fact that he really wanted to say fuck. Uh, the only cuss word that actually made it into the film is shit, and it happens when Marv is trying to get through the doggy door, and he accidentally drops his shoe. He, like, goes to grab it and drops it and then says, shit, and they, like, messed up with the editing and forgot to take it out. So much so that the shit is still in the, like, closed captioning. So if you watch it with subtitles, you'll still see the word shit. Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern gave over-the-top performances on purpose because they didn't think the film would be a success, so they were like, fuck it. No one's going to see this film. It's not going to matter what we do. And then this film ended up being a huge success and everyone watched it
2: and just <laughs>
0: thought they were amazing.
2: It's a perfect storm.
0: Yeah. Um, Macaulay Culkin actually drew the map himself that Kevin uses to set up the traps. Sounds oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, the movie that is seen throughout the film, Angels with Filthy Souls, was made up for this movie and is based on a movie called Angels with Dirty Faces from the 40s. Uh, During rehearsal of the scene where Harry attempts to bite off Kevin's finger, like they put him on that door hook and then he's going to bite off all of his fingers. One at a time. Yeah, one at a time. During rehearsal, Joe Pesci actually bit Macaulay Culkin's finger and Macaulay Culkin still has a scar on one of his fingers because of it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, The ornaments that Marv steps on when he tries to get in through the window (laughs) are actually candy. Um. So not real ornaments. And he was wearing rubber feet like rubber padding on the bottom of his feet for all the scenes where he was barefoot.
1: It's awesome.
0: The concept for this movie originated during the filming of a scene in Uncle Buck where Macaulay Culkin's character interrogates a would-be babysitter through the letter opening of the front door. Chris Columbus's biggest fear as a kid was burglars, and that's why he signed on to be part of this film. Nice. John Hughes was worried that mothers would never believe a family could forget one of their kids, Chris Columbus said of that, John really filled in every possible logic hole, and the audiences always bought it. Uh, John Williams, who composed all the music for this film, stepped in when the original composer backed out. The filmmakers never thought they would be able to get John Williams, but he saw an early cut of the film and was enchanted and was like, I have to be a part of this. Oh my god, that's so
3: cool.
0: Yeah, like how fucking great is your film where John Williams is like, yes, I need to be a part of that. (laughs) That's so fucking cool. The sled that Kevin uses to slide down the stairs was signed by the entire cast and is still in Chris Columbus's office to this day. The pages of the Playboy that Kevin reads from Buzz's like little locker thing were taped together so that Macaulay Culkin wouldn't see any nudity.
1: <laughs> Why they just have fake Playboy. Like I yeah, don't know.
0: Just, <laughs> do it, just,
2: just get the. That covers. was too much. That was too
0: much. That was too much work. That's okay. too much work. Just tape add some tape. Get- it'll be fine. <laughs> um, let's see. Chris Columbus was hired by John Hughes to direct National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. After meeting with Chevy Chase, it was clear that the two of them were not going to get along, so he asked John Hughes if he had any other projects he could work on instead. Home Alone was one of the options presented to him, and thank God it was, because, like, this is a fucking masterpiece. The role of Uncle Frank, who's the asshole uncle in this film, was originally written for Kelsey Grammer. (laughs) Macaulay Culkin was only allowed to work on set for five hours a day, so everything was filmed around his schedule. Thanks, Child Labor Laws. Mm -hmm. The image of Kevin with his hands on his face and screaming were improvised by Macaulay Culkin. He forgot to pull his hands away as he screamed, and it became the most famous shot of the entire movie. Chris Farley auditioned to be Santa Claus. Cousin Fuller is Macaulay Culkin's brother, Kieran Culkin. And Danny DeVito, Rowan Atkinson, Bob Hoskins, John Lovitz, and Robert De Niro were all considered for the role of Harry. I like all of those. God, those and there was fantastic. the list for people who were potential for the dad. Um, John, John, yeah, John Hurd's character was like 70 actors long. Like, think of every, like, dad from a movie in the 90s. Yep. Every single one of those guys was on the fucking cast role, like, potential to be the dad in this film. It was insane. Even Arnold Schwarzenegger was on the list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> would have been awful. Go to your room, Kevin. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah it was a mess Joe Pesci deliberately avoided Macaulay Culkin on set because he wanted Macaulay Culkin to think that he was mean and John Candy improvised every single line that he had in this film all of them no and, and he shot all of his scenes everything that he did he shot in one 23 to hour day. John Candy was just like I'm fucking busy like let's, let's go get this well I I'll mean the whole that thing. happens
2: in a lot of movies with comedians You don't really have to give him lines. Just be like, "Hey, you're gonna talk to the mom, like come up with some story, like you know about raising a kid." And he's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll make up some story Mm -hmm. that I fucked up my kid. Like I left him in a, what was it, a funeral home for a day? That's yeah, that happens all the time." I can't imagine someone
3: actually writing like that that exchange and then the um, airport exchange. (laughs) It was just done too well for it to have been written out. Oh yeah. And some of those people, polka, they, it, polka, polka.
2: yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's like an insult. They're like, "Hey, can you just say this?" Like, I don't know. I, no, I can think, say something think, better. Like, think, I'll, I'll make is, something funnier. Don't don't worry about that. This is why you hired me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I lied earlier about the tarantula scene. So I had read a long time ago that the tarantula scene, where mm. the tarantula gets put on Mars' face, that that scene was done completely silently because they didn't want to scare the tarantula. And I had read that a really long time ago, and I had always thought that it was true. But apparently, the famous scream that he built out during that scene was not mimed on set. It was done at that moment and came from Daniel Stern live on set, mostly because he was assured by the tarantula handlers that tarantulas do not have ears. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and he confirmed that he actually did it in, like, in that take... In 2015, I guess, on his personal
3: Facebook page. So mm-hmm. it's a good scream, right? This is such blood like curling, like good scream. It's so good.
0: Okay, so who was everyone's favorite character? Otis.
2: Um, I'm kind of torn. I'll do it so like good side and bad side. Uh, the good side. Uh, I used to always love Kevin when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really cool. But first half Kevin, well, first two acts Kevin. He's well, first act, he's an asshole. Yeah. Second yeah. act, he's like, I gotta get my shit together. Third act, Kevin's awesome, because he was really mm-hmm. smart, and he set up the traps in a way that, okay, they're gonna go here first, and mm-hmm. then they're gonna go around this way, and this, that's the only way this trap will work, if they go that way, mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous. He's really smart, but watching it this time, um, I love the neighbor, the um, the guy the with the shovel. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. Like, that was really cool, and he, he came and Marlon? helped him out. Yeah, that, that's that's my dude this time. But on the bad guy side, uh, Marv. No, Harry. Harry's the tall one? No, no uh, Marv's the tall one. Marv. Uh, Marv, uh, some of the best injuries came from him, the way he screams. So his
0: reactions are the best. Yeah, my favorite trap,
2: I'll save it, but one of my favorite traps that happened to him, and I saw it, and I laughed the hardest, because <laughs> it's
3: just so... Yeah. Stupid. We're
2: all just laughing. Uh,
3: yeah. like, they, set it, they set it up in the beginning with him being like the dumb one. Yeah, like he comes in from robbing one of the houses and he takes out his gum and puts the um, <laughs>
2: oh, yeah.
3: the the little snow globes like on their front. I don't remember that as a kid, and I'm watching it now. I'm like, it's freaking hilarious.
2: Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's amazing. But yeah, the uh, yeah that that's my favorite
3: favorite character. Favorite character would be Harry. I think Joe Pesci knocks it out of the park in this. Oh yeah, film. his his, his over the top acting. His over the top acting. Because he's such a great actor, doesn't come across as contrived and like, kind of like some of the, like I was telling you guys earlier, you know, so I feel like a lot of the acting in this, just in general, is so good, and to these days, I we just don't see, like, good acting in, in movies like this all the time. So he just knocked it out of the park, he, his, his, um, accent was hilarious, I don't know, he's just, he's the best villain. Like, stupid villain. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I
1: mean coming from first time seeing it, I still gotta go with Kevin like he's the main guy he successfully gets them out of his house and into the other house actually right. um, I, yeah I mean I agree he was kind of a little little shithead at first but uh, yeah. <laughs> you but, know they kinda but, but up that, and kind helps, of grew up in the yeah. movie yeah, so I like seeing that change and like he was like oh I'm you know, I'm the man of the house he says or whatever one time he was like hey, I gotta figure this out
2: yeah one, you know, one of the big themes of this movie I mean it's like you know family and stuff, but it's just him growing up. Because mm-hmm. everybody's like, well, you're all tiny and you're useless and you can't do anything. Right. He fought off two grown-ass men mm-hmm. for, like, what, three days? Mm-hmm. And yeah. stayed alive. So, yeah, he's mm-hmm. extra capable and really smart, but yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's, like, the main theme of the movie. is just a kid trying to try not to die and gets right. stronger from it.
3: You know, this would be like viral if this had actually happened somewhere. Oh, it's <laughs> a oh, kid
2: yeah. kept like burglars away for a couple uh-huh. of days. that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Kevin is definitely my favorite character in this film and I don't think he was that much of an asshole in the first act, like the boys say. He's the littlest kid in this entire film besides Fuller, who we assume is a little bit
2: smaller than him. I will say it is justified.
0: But everyone in this fucking family treats him like shit. Yep. Like, Buzz purposefully ate all the pizza that he knew. (laughs) Like, again, I work with kids. They do not like other shit on their pizza that isn't cheese. Like, it is rare to find a kid that will eat other shit on their pizza that's Mm. not just cheese. So the fact that all of those big kids were just like, fuck it, I'm gonna eat this pizza just to spite (laughs) that little shithead Kevin, like, that's hella fucked up.
2: He was sitting there just slowly mashing the pizza in his (laughs) mouth. I know,
0: Buzz is such a dick. Yeah. And then he, like, pretend threw it up again, just, ugh. Yeah, no, everyone Mm. was just assholes to Kevin. For, like, for what? He's eight, you don't treat an eight-year-old like that. No, you don't. fucking mess. But
2: we only see, you know, this day or this week in their lives. I mean, the dad tells him that, you know, he's messing around with fish hooks in the basement and stuff. So I assume Kevin gets into a lot of shit. So yeah. it's like I said, it's probably a little bit justified why they treat him like that. Because it sounds like he just gets into shit all the time. In which we see why he gets, like, and he, how quick he makes even traps. Even if he gets into Ooh. shit
0: all the time, that's no reason to fucking steal that kid's food. Oh yeah, like I'm not just gonna walk into some shitty kid's house and just eat all of his goldfish because
2: yeah, he made traps in two hours. To oh, stop I stop two grown men, so that means he does stuff like that all the time. He screws with people. He probably screws with his family. I have
3: never thought about it a like lot
2: because nah. when when the when the bells went off and I was like, okay, it'll probably be six o'clock. You know, three hours. It was seven o'clock and he ran home, which means he didn't start at seven. Probably like seven fifteen when he got home. Mm-hmm. And then he had to draw that. And he drew the plans. <laughs> <laughs> seven. And he's yeah, like, I Okay, so I need to do this. So an hour and a half and they got there a little bit early. So and then he made food. He was making the mac and cheese. So yeah. probably that microwave top. Top. max
0: that white, <laughs> my, was you gave him half
3: an hour to make microwave macaroni and cheese I didn't get to eat it it looks so good two minutes it makes me really want mac and cheese right now I'm just saying
2: I'm just saying he made traps way too fast so he's probably been fucking with people for a while he has
0: two older brothers who have been consistently fucking with him his entire life true yeah (laughs) <laughs> that's why he knows how to do all that shit. Did you see all that dumb shit in Buzz's house, in Buzz's room? Mm-hmm. Like, that's why he knows how to do all that shit and where he got all the ideas,
2: all those ideas.
0: All right, least favorite character.
2: Mm, it's tough. Just about everybody in the movie is funny in some way. Usually comedies, there's like a set bad guy you're not supposed to like, but the bad guys in this, I like them a lot. Yeah. Uh, if I had to pick somebody, shit. Uh, an annoying kid at the beginning. Yeah. The, the next door neighbor. <laughs> the the
3: reason, th- the literal only reason why this movie even exists. Yeah, <laughs> that kid actually was like a runner-up to be
0: Kevin.
2: He sounds a lot like sounds him. A lot like so, him.
0: so this, so the role of Kevin was originally written for Macaulay Culkin, and when John Hughes hired Chris Columbus to be part of the film, Chris Columbus didn't want to put Macaulay Culkin in it because he had just been in John Hughes' Uncle Buck. And didn't want to make it seem like John Hughes was just playing favorites or whatever. So he forced an audition. And they auditioned like a thousand kids. And that kid was the runner-up. And then they had Macaulay Culkin come in. And it was like, oh shit. No wonder you wanted to write this for fucking Macaulay
2: Culkin. That's gotta suck. You're like, you know, you're Macaulay Culkin. And they're like, oh, well we said you got this. But you gotta try out. Wink. Like, <laughs> come here on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yo. Like, you know, be ready. Wink. And yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, Let well, <laughs> I me mean, just read some lines and then and, and smile at these people and do a scream. I got this. All right.
3: Least favorite character. So, I mean, to, to kind of piggyback off of what you ended your time with, my least favorite character is Buzz. And um, coming from a different standpoint, I didn't have siblings growing up, so a lot of the dynamics that are in this movie about siblings and whatever to me just seems like really weird and crazy. Oh, no, that's and it. Why would that happen? This is bizarre. You just hate but, each other. Like, <laughs> that's I it. do have I do have cousins, and my cousins that we would hang around with were younger than me. Obviously, I was like the oldest of my the kids in my family, um, and they were little shits to me. Yeah. Like, we would go over to their houses, and they would like purposefully... Fuck with me, and mm-hmm. then I would fight back or whatever the heck in my little stupid, non fighty way, and then I'd get in trouble. I'm like, fuck that crap. <laughs> and so, like, it's just like seeing Buzz, like, remind like the way he treated Kevin, and then Kevin's the one that gets in trouble because he the audacity to be like, You ate my food, mm-hmm. um, and accidentally spill all the things. Like, I feel for Kevin, and that. So, yeah. Buzz is my least favorite character, even though I think the guy, Devin, I think his name is. Yeah, Ratray, He plays him perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Buzz is, Buzz is my least favorite. Austin? I'm
1: going to have to go with the uncle. Like, he had, yes, like, that's a mine too. Of funny lines. <laughs> uncle like...
0: Frank is a bitch. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, he's just there to be annoying.
2: He's and... a cheapskate. Yeah, yeah,
0: fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he counted, counted on his brother to take his entire family to fucking France. Okay,
2: but, but let's be real. That dad's loaded. Doesn't so, matter that he's so loaded. Like, what he
0: does for a living, it doesn't he matter does that he's things, loaded, right? He paid. And that's
2: why Kevin knows how to do yes. bad Yes,
0: <laughs> it doesn't matter that stuff. he's loaded. He paid for Uncle Frank and Aunt whatever her name is Aunt to Midea. fly first, Aunt Medea, yes, <laughs> to fly first class, and for their four fucking kids to fly to France. He and paid then, for all of that. And they kicked Kevin out of his out of his room. He was an asshole to Kevin the entire time. He wouldn't pay the for the fucking pizza like he couldn't spring $120. Had,
2: he had trouble checks. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <up.
0: laughs> he had real money
3: somewhere. Nobody just gets rid of all of their money. To be fair, though, Uncle Frank was the one walking around the France house with... Um, shrimp cocktail and that's my favorite food he so i was stole memorized it, but he, he stole, st- he stole <laughs> it i he didn't even stole get it out of the fridge
0: <laughs> and the know. aunt in the back that the one they were visiting in france was like that's for later frank and he was like fuck it i'm just uh, going to like pass frank, frank is frank is <laughs> crap
1: frank is yeah Oh, the champagne that's
0: free right
2: <laughs> yeah yeah he's like more so i agree more.
0: with austin frank is definitely the worst character my least favorite character yeah he's poop all right <laughs> so Does everyone agree that everyone's favorite scene is the actual battle at the house? Yeah.
3: So, yeah, battle at the house. I I mean, I wanted to be, like, different because I also, like, the act three is the best part of the film. Yeah. But before we get into that, because I think we're all in agreement that that really is, like, the pinnacle scene, I do want to give a shout-out second place to the church scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it has one of my favorite Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. Um... A holy night is just like i can listen to that for hours it's beautiful a choir singing and a band playing it someone on a kazoo it doesn't matter i will listen to that song and just the exchange between you know a 10 year old kevin or however the heck old he is eight. this older dude like acting is just phenomenal and yeah the, the piece of advice that kevin gives him it's like well you know call your son and there's all sorts of family dynamics that we grow up with and we just are always afraid of the outcome and he literally just says, like, I could have just listened to this in 1991 or whenever this thing was. It's like, oh, if you want to, like, know something, just ask. And then you know. Either yeah. you know when it's good or you know when it's bad, but then you can move on. I was like, how did we not, how did I not remember this, like, important Life piece of advice from freaking Macaulay Colkin. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, anyways, church scene. That is That, that is amazing. a really good, really good,
2: yeah. Man, that is. That's a really good one. It
0: is a really good scene. Okay. Yeah, but... So, aside from the church <laughs> scene, the battle at the house is this, the scene from this film. Now, what is everyone's favorite injury that happens in this film?
2: When, uh... Or what, gag, I guess. Is it Marv? Marv. When Marv uh, loses his shoes to the tar in his <laughs> sock and he steps in the nail and he's like, fuck it, I'm gonna go another way. And he sees the open window... And he looks in, doesn't look down, he has no reason to look down, I understand why, but he goes to that window and he stomps so fucking hard on the ground, <laughs> and he hits he those really ornaments does. and they just explode in his feet, it is the funniest, oh it's the funniest goddamn thing, and Ugh. when he did it, I was like, I knew it was coming, I knew he was gonna be hurt, but he just stomps down and just screams and falls in there, <laughs> it, it's fun, the funniest Fun fact, thing.
0: those ornaments were made out of candy. <laughs> it's, so hilarious. it's
2: it's hilarious and that yeah, mess so hurts stepping on something sharp like that yeah. like, mm. like like die hard man like mm. walking on glass that mess hurts and it debilitates you mm. so I understand how much that would hurt
0: also in the fun trivia for this film it said that so he, um, Daniel Stern wore the rubber sole things mm-hmm. on his feet so none of this would hurt him Bruce Willis also wore that in all of the broken glass scenes for Die Hard. He
2: went through so much broken glass. <laughs> he in that really other. did. It was a lot. Jeez.
0: We'll talk about that later on the Die
3: Hard episode. <laughs> okay. Favorite injury or um, gag? I'm going to go, well, I think, gosh, I mean, I'm just going to pick one that probably no one else is going to pick. Um, so when he, when Joe Pesci or Harry goes to try to open the door and he burns his hand and burns the M into it... <laughs> But then, and so that's funny, right? Yeah. It's like, oh my god, it looks gross and whatever, and it's it's just ingenious. Um, but then it, like, continues on, and this is the cool thing about this particular injury, is he it makes for, like, a two-second, you know, 20-second later funny scene where he's, like, tapping the, the <laughs> thing. Right? It's just like, stupid, it's like, is this thing gonna, okay, good, I can open it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: the
1: just really quickly It's taps.
3: like a twofer. it's a twofer. <laughs> he's too
1: scared. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. All right. Yeah, and that's basically I was gonna say kind of that and the the paint can. See, then the mm-hmm. same thing. And the next time he's walking up the stage, he's waving his hands over yeah. <laughs> like oh, Was,
2: was so there funny. another
1: string? Is there something else coming and blocking? Like, yeah. yeah.
2: So I, like, the, I, I like that. about them. So like, usually bad guys, they like forget how they mm-hmm. just got fooled. Yeah. But they remember, and they're like, I don't want to get hit again. Please don't mm-hmm. hit me. And it's like, you know, they're trying to make their way up. They're they're stupid. But they're smart about like you can't trick them the same way twice mm-hmm. but then it, it's weird he sets it up in really good stuff like when he's in the basement and he clicks the tries to the, click the light on and mm-hmm. that cord just falls he's like what the hell is that and he looks mm-hmm. up and he gets hit with the iron that's reasonable you're like yeah. why did that light not come on and uh-huh. then you get hit with an iron so a lot some of these traps is, is pretty Ingenious. devious yeah, yeah. It, it's very scary because you can easily get caught by some of these exactly yeah
0: So, my favorite scene, or injury, is definitely the ornaments, when Marv steps on the ornaments. Just full, both feet flat on the ground onto the ornaments, and then lets out this blood-curdling scream. But then, immediately following that, he, like, waddles his way around the ornaments, and then him and Harry, like, lock eyes... Make dumbass comments about each other's like oh, fucked well, up yeah. appearance. Why, you, yeah. like why you? Why do you look like a chicken? Why do you have a like a red face or something like that? Because he had the iron mark on his face. And then they fucking like get all overconfident to walk up these <laughs> stairs and fall on all those fucking micro machines. Oh man! <laughs> and it's just like the perfect fucking storm. Series like events, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And the tarantula. Like, yeah. I don't like spiders, but that scream during the tarantula scene, because they both get hurt <laughs> when mm-hmm. he fucking takes that crowbar and hits <laughs> Harry in the don't chest.
1: Move, <laughs> don't move, Harry. Don't move, He's like,
0: what?
2: what are you doing? <laughs> he was so concerned. He's like, what? <laughs> All right. What about the music? <laughs> uh, Music's pretty solid. Um, uh, The... What scene is it? Like a la 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 oh, somewhere line.
0: somewhere in memory.
2: Yeah, that song I always the remember e. that um, that pops up a lot and stuff. Um, I like his uh, montage make deadly trap song. That setting up a gun shoot that guy. Oh lil Like that's always really good. Yes. Cool. Like when Harry that gets one.
0: shot in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: But um. Back
0: to
3: injuries.
2: But um. Funny. Pretty yeah, good. no, music's pretty pretty good.
3: Yeah. I liked it a lot. It's obviously John Williams, so he can pretty much do no wrong. And then, yeah. you know, fun fact that we heard, or you told that fun fact earlier in the pod, yeah. right? Um, I, I had no idea that he was just like, I'm going to sign on to this because this movie's awesome. And I, as I was watching the movie and obviously reminiscing about John Williams and just the nostalgia of all of these songs. I was like, man, like it would have been really hard to do all these all these scenes and not know like the flourish of the orchestra or whatever, like that's really like pushing forward feeling, right? And and so, um, he's just amazing. Um, somewhere in my memory, one of the best theme songs of anything. Oh yeah. Um I love that song. And then we were talking earlier too, just in addition to obviously the orchestration, like whoever just curated just the overall musical theme of this the various rock songs and things like that like i don't think of rocking around the christmas tree in any format except for the scene where they come up to try to see if anybody's home and there's all the mannequins and yeah what's his face michael Michael jordan Jordan on the train train. like i think of rocking around the christmas tree and that scene comes into my head so yeah and so people who listen to that song and don't think of that is it's strange to me but now you will <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah well especially right.
1: I think the run run Rudolph when like they on the, the airport. Like I'm just gonna picture mm-hmm. like a bunch of people running now like, every time Yeah. We go. Um, but yeah, I mean, John Williams is awesome, so obviously coming to the party late with this movie, I'm like, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones, like, all the other John Williams soundtrack stuff is, like, popping into my head as I'm watching this, which just makes it feel very comfortable, and like, oh, I know this, I've seen this, this is, you know, like, the nostalgia almost is, like, there just because of the music, even though I hadn't seen it. I don't know how to describe Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, this...
0: this soundtrack is one of my all-time favorite soundtracks not only by John Williams but by anyone Um, John Williams is by far my favorite composer Mm -hmm. like movie composer that has ever lived (laughs) yes the widest kids you know
2: (laughs) I gotta find that Uh, I'm gonna show you guys uh, John Williams it's a big sketch I'm gonna show you that's why I'm making that sound Mm -hmm. he's making fun of John Williams
3: yeah it's really good do you know his trumpet concerto? uh no he writes a mean trumpet. All right, Trump. that doesn't <laughs> surprise
0: me. He also wrote the Olympic Fanfare, so no. Oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, John Williams can. I have never heard anything by him that I disliked, and this film, I've been watching it every single year, multiple times a year since this movie came out when I was three, and forever. This like every single song in this movie, both the rock, like the contemporary soundtrack and the classical soundtrack are ingrained in my memory. Like, Somewhere yeah. in your memory. Somewhere in my memory. You might yes. Say. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so fast and weird sounding. <laughs> yes, I
0: was chipmunking it. Okay. What about the feels? The uh, Christmas feels? The regular feels? how this movie make you feel? Like,
2: at the beginning, it's like, hey, Christmas is coming, our trip to France or Paris. And then... There are a couple of moments where he, you know, a, a big chunk of the movie is him just fucking around, and then he realizes, like, oh, I need to get the tree ready and the lights. And then it's, like, a whole lot of traps. It turns into saw for a little bit. But then, at the end, it's, like, <laughs> then it finally becomes Christmasy. and this you realize... saw
0: you, before saw
3: was a thing. Yeah, and
2: then you realize at the end, like, when the mom gets home and he, like, wishes for his family to come back, and I'm like, there are points where it's, like, oh, this is Christmas as hell. But then there's a bigger chunks where it's like, that man, his head's on fire. <laughs> and, and just the torture. Mm-hmm. The torture is more than the Christmas theme yeah. in this. It's, it's a good Christmas movie, but it's a lot more just about just torture. I <laughs> torture disagree. on
0: screen. I disagree. I find this film to be very, very Christmassy. And all the underlying themes in this film point to Christmas. Like, he wants his family back. He has a need to just love the people that he's with and that's like the ultimate learning goal of the whole film is that he needs to figure out his shit and then all the scenes at the end with him with his family with santa with even old man warley in the church like that's all the that fucking feels like it's so good and so i think it's very very christmasy despite all the injuries
2: all <laughs> the and they horns. were all
0: christmas most of them were christmas related injuries so
2: yeah flamethrowers I mean, it's pretty, like, it's pretty solid, Christmassy. Okay, only
3: one of them, but the ornaments was the best one. So <laughs> yeah, that Gr- granted, this is like no other Christmas I've ever enjoyed. Like we live in Fresno, so it doesn't snow here. Cause yeah, so once at some point, yeah, like 20 years like, ago. Yeah, like <laughs> a tiny little snowflake once. It's like whenever you think of Christmas time, <laughs> this movie hits all of the points. It mm-hmm. has big, beautiful houses with just tons of lights that are just very classic white lights with some other things there too snow everywhere also apparently um dried mashed potatoes <laughs> oh yeah mashed potato flakes that was like potato like I was well I was wondering halfway through. I was like man did they film this all outside or is this on a sound stage like what did they do um, because just there was snow everywhere but even down to just like what people were wearing like Kevin Kevin's like <clears throat> daily wardrobe was all like what I just considered like Christmas time gleaming oh, yeah. colors, like his Christmas sweater and his um, various pajamas that he would have. Oh, yeah, like, like, what he has like multiple big... pajamas. Yeah. Yeah, and um, but everybody, it was just like dressed like Christmas and then going to the church and the nativity scene. So it's just obviously, you know, there's not Christmas anywhere in the title, but feel like this whole movie gave me all the feels even though I've never experienced any of the things really in there as like a personal thing. Like, Lisa. Right? <laughs> like no big house, whatever, but I mean man, like right right in the heart. Yeah. Alright, Austin?
1: I was say like, coming from the kid perspective, like I think it just seems so magical to him that he's alone and then so magical that they're back. Like
3: mm-hmm.
1: at least in the movie, it's never explained to him what happens, that they're all gone without him, or that they're all of a sudden back on Christmas morning.
3: You're right because he wished for them to be he, gone. He woke up, they were gone. Yeah, and, and then he asked
1: Santa for them back, and they showed up on Christmas morning. Yeah, you're right. So I thought that was really cool, and so I almost wonder that drove like some of his growing up, like, oh wow, they're really gone. Yeah, like not just like oh mm-hmm. they went to France, I forgot about that. Like oh wow, I made them all go away. I need to figure out life out because now I'm on my own. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, even like whenever he goes out, he goes oh well they didn't leave yet.
1: Right, and they didn't the go car. to the airport. The car's still here, yeah. you know. So you're
3: remember, right. Like yeah. the magicalness of being a child in Christmas is just inherent throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Good point. All right, what about memories associated with the film? Uh,
2: we watch this a lot. My mom really liked this movie. That doesn't surprise uh, me at all. It's uh, all the torture scenes. It, it's <laughs> hilarious. Like you know, people getting just destroyed. Uh, I don't the think
0: torture we... plays like a horror film, and your mom loved horror films. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, I don't think we watch it like every. Christmas I mean that's when it pops up a lot on cable and stuff and so it was kind of just that just collateral just like well it's on like I like this movie you know you watch it um but I watched the first Home Alone a lot uh the second one not as much but this was I watched this a ton uh but yeah love this movie
3: um I apparently watched this a lot as a kid I don't remember owning it so I don't know how I actually watched it <laughs> um but I as you guys you know, witness while we were here, I said a lot of the lines. Um, keep the change, filthy filthy animal. Um, Kevin's like cadence and the way he speaks. Oh, yeah. I still to this day will like speak like that, or I'll hear something, you know, remind me, I'll jog a memory. Like, I at one point probably could recite this whole movie, but I, I don't have a recollection of like how often I would watch it. But it's been a long time, and, and it's, takes, still, it's still there. It takes me back. It's so classic, it's so good. All right, Austin.
1: <laughs> yes, my memories of half an hour ago when we watched it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm You're not. So much i so older now. Right? I've learned so much. Uh, I, I feel like I've seen, yeah, part of it probably like just on TV or you saw someone's house or oh, yeah. doctor's office. So, you know, so I feel like I've seen part of the house battle and I've seen the church scene before, I guess. Um, and so I kind of knew when the guy was like scraping the sidewalk, so I was like, wait, I know who that guy is. Like, they actually become friends later. It's like, that's yeah. cool. So, like, to see the backstory, it was like, oh, he's scared of him now. Oh, yeah. okay. So, okay.
0: So, I guess rather than memories of this film, how did this film hold up? Because you're the only one who didn't grow up watching this film. So, how, like, watching it with fresh eyes and not having seen it in 1990 when this came out, mm-hmm. like, how, how did it hold up? Does it, can you relate to it still, even though it's 2019 and you're a grown-ass man? Like... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, mean, I, would, I would say, kind of like we, we talked about, I think, before we started recording, like, this couldn't really happen these days, just technology oh, yeah. and what else, right? <laughs> like, so, I kind of went in at first, like, oh, well this is kind of outdated, but, and like... I was just
0: watching them on their nanny cams. And mm-hmm. like oh, right, yeah. kid's fine. Yeah, somebody, you, you know,
1: <laughs> brings the ring doorbell or whatever, and you see them come up. Right? Yeah. Um, no, but I think, like, yeah, so at first I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, this is kind of cheesy or something. Like, I don't know, like, but then, like... Like I don't know what point it happened, but then I was hooked. I was like, "What's gonna happen? What's he gonna do? How's he gonna solve this? Yeah. What's gonna?" And I was like, "So yeah, I I, I got sucked in." Well, so. That
2: happens with a lot of like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough to make a horror movie in like modern day because everybody's got a phone. That's why they have to go to podunk places and then the mm-hmm. signal doesn't work or mm-hmm. the batteries don't not work because mm-hmm. there's things you have to get rid of before mm-hmm. you can start like a monster trying to Isolation. eat people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why if you you always have horror movies back in like the '60s and stuff. You know, you had to get to a phone, so it's like, cool, now we can just have this person killing everybody.
3: Yes. But yeah, it's
2: it's tough. Like, modern day stuff, a lot of movies, it, it wouldn't translate to 2019. Like, like we were saying, this movie, it'd be really, really hard. It'd be a legit perfect storm of things happening, and that kid being somewhere. It, it would probably work better if he went on location somewhere and got left. Like, he mm-hmm. was in a a city that he didn't know, you know what I mean? I mean, It'd be a little bit easier to set it up. Yes and no, but
0: like, okay, so we were talking about everyone having cell phones, but if the power went out like it did in this film, and all the nanny cams or whatever got reset, the Wi-Fi router got reset, and none of the nanny cams worked, okay, that eight-year-old doesn't have a cell phone, Mm -hmm. like, what's he gonna do? No houses have landlines anymore, Yeah. so there's no way to contact that yeah. specific house like right now if in our house like I, I don't know bella got trapped she's a cat so just ignore this but if bella got trapped and we didn't know what the fuck was happening like, n- and the power went out or a router went out we wouldn't have any way to look at her like we wouldn't know we just wouldn't know
3: so in the vein of what's happening now in the 2000s where it just seems that instead of just making new shit we're just remaking old stuff could you see this being remade it wouldn't be good. There is a there
0: is supposedly a remake in the works. God, please no. It wouldn't be good. Um, mm. but I don't know if it's actually going to happen. I don't know if Disney will actually go through with it. This was this was perfect, perfect it. and
2: it just worked. I don't know if you could repeat this. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they did it with another like the sequel, and then they made like 15 more, and they weren't as no. good. No, well, and
3: that's the thing. Like, I normally am not like a huge fan of sequels. But I, after, I mean, we're going to watch that movie next and talk about it, and I will say this on that other podcast, but I like 1 and 2 the exact same. Oh, like, yeah. I have so, so many fond great. memories of number 2. Um, yeah. When, you know, in life, whenever you talk about, oh, my God, like what's your favorite movies and, and the sequels? This is one of the ones I will always bring up yeah. as yes. just the perfect movie inside and out from the acting to the writing to the music to the direction, all of it. Like yeah. if it and won sequel, a bunch of Oscars, it should have. But if it didn't, that's a travesty. And, but I'm also not surprised because it's, a it's not a drama. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then how in the world can you take this perfect storm of things and then just replicate it in a different place and then all of a sudden it's still the same great it movie? Still yeah. yeah. So.
2: yeah Yeah, I... Sooner or later, it will happen. We'll probably be older, and it's like, like hell below. And I'm like, oh, that's not We're right. Like, no, I'm just
3: gonna take my kids over here.
2: We're just gonna watch yeah. Home Alone. Then, the rig- no know, it makes yeah. like five bucks. I'm like, that's what you get. Like, no one wanted that. <laughs> right? Just like, we movies pop out all the time. Like, it's cats. I'm like, who asked for cats? Well, like, I, mean, I like. Cats, <laughs> but who asked Canada for Swift it? Taylor Swift asked for
0: cats. Well, I mean, you you okay, pit. but the the sequel thing or the remake thing is something that's been happening forever in film like even when we were kids uh the 1994 version of miracle on 34th street came out and all of the grown-ups in our lives were like that's fucking dumb i don't want to see that but all of us were like hell yeah it's the girl from matilda let's fucking watch that that's gonna be great
2: but the difference those remakes they they tried a little bit harder back then and so they stand up still i see remakes come out now and they don't put any real effort into them. just yeah, doing it for, for a cash grab. Yeah, and they're like, it's oh, it's fair. More, That's
3: fair. Very little effort. Let's get some really big names that can definitely do well here. Then internationally are going to be big names so they'll make a lot of money internationally now yeah. China can see movies. And so it That's fair. it ends up working out. But yeah. you're right. Like, the like, quality like, isn't as good.
2: Not at all.
3: That's fair. So my memories from this film uh, stem back all
0: the way to 1990 when this film came out. I can remember it coming out on VHS and, like, begging my parents to buy it for me, and they did because I loved it so much as a kid. And I immediately had a crush on Macaulay Culkin. I was only three when this film came out. Macaulay Culkin was eight, so a little age gap, but not huge when you think about the fact that he's still a kid. And he was the only boy kid in, like, television and movies at the time that I could relate to he was the closest one to my age when I was a kid like that was on film and he was a fucking badass like he was just destroying all these like burglars with mm-hmm. just basic household items so I was completely in love with Macaulay Culkin as soon as I saw this film and devoured everything else that he did after this film came out like getting even with dad and the Nutcracker and Home Alone 2 and the Pagemaster and My Girl and just
3: like is he, the good, he... Yes. Okay. the good son yes and the good son
2: that was a weird one. Oh, oh, was that weird was one.
0: so good.
3: <laughs> but agreed. I, <clears throat> I liked it because I, I, was, I had a crush on Elijah Wood.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, I also had a crush on Thanks. Elijah Wood.
0: But, yeah, I loved this film forever. And I watched it with my parents. I can remember watching it with my dad and my mom. And my dad just laughing his ass off when all of these injuries would happen. Because that's the humor that my dad has. And I... Cannot remember a single Christmas from my childhood where we didn't sit down and watch this film together. Yeah. Like, I love this film so much. Alright, seven word synopsis.
3: Otis.
2: Uh, how did those burglars survive all that?
3: Nice. Nice. Alexis. Mine is one more word than seven. Sorry. That's fine. eight. Timeless Christmas classic. Funny. Nostalgic. Never a dull moment. Nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A kid grows up to John Williams. Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. perfect.
0: Uh Kevin murders wet bandits to protect house.
1: Wow, yeah.
3: All right. <clears throat> I guess mine was more of a review. That's fine. No, it works. We they always can be give whatever, you whatever they
2: want. I stopped doing just synopsis after a while. It's always like a question in my head. Like how the fuck did they oh, no Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's normal
0: sometimes I do a review, sometimes I do like a Synopsis. Sometimes when I'm just like, "What the fuck was that?"
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. What the fuck was that? <laughs> we all just counted on the
3: movie. Exclamation! point, exclamation point? Those count. Yeah, that's just extra word. The longer you go, okay. How
0: much do you think this movie cost to make?
2: Uh, it can't be. I, I, it seemed like it was a surprise hit. I'm gonna say thirty million.
3: Okay, Alexis. I'm gonna say ten. All
1: right. 1.2 million.
0: Dang, wow. I don't know. I guess That's right. it's 1990, bro. Not like yeah, cars are like four hundred
1: dollars, right? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> apparently Austin.
1: pizzas are always $12 though. he
3: was yeah visible. we learned that <laughs> we learned that yeah pizzas are still 12 bucks mm-hmm. there's no there's was no 15.
0: inflation in pizza oh
2: people would fight actually okay that it.
0: pizza little nearest pizza is supposed to be little caesar's pizza so mm-hmm. technically pizza has gone down substantially oh. because little caesar's pizza Five is bucks. only $5 a piece now oh yeah, well, a yeah $12 a piece but it's di- yeah
2: right. but there's yeah yeah.
0: no but generic pizza i I mean it's gone up a little if you go to like the better quote-unquote pizza well, places yeah, it's there's a, a lot bigger. more
2: ridiculous pizza places like this pizza is as big as your car yeah and so you know stuff like that so yeah. I, I yeah I even okay, it kind of okay so out. you said
0: 30 million 10 million 1 million 1.2 <laughs> this budget was 18 million dollars how much do you think this movie made
2: Woo, i'm gonna say 120
0: okay
3: Alexis, I'll I'll go with one thirty.
0: Okay,
1: three hundred million.
0: Ooh, Austin with the close one, two hundred eighty five point eight million dollars. It was the highest domestic grossing film of nineteen ninety, and the global box office was $476.7 million. And it has the Jeez. Guinness record for highest box office gross for a comedy film ever.
2: Mm. Ever? Wow. Ever.
0: Yeah, that's, to this day, it's still it's still on top.
2: It, it's a surprise. Like, no one thought it was going to be good. Like, actors in the movie were like, oh, I, we can fuck around. It's not going to, you know, be that big. And it's like, oh, everybody wants She's like, eh, I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, that's a lot of money.
0: Damn. Yeah, wow. so... This film, because it only cost $18 million to make, and they had to pay kind of the bigger mm. names that they had in the film, like Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, then they had to pay uh, Catherine O'Hara uh, and John Hurd. So Macaulay Culkin, because he was only a kid, only got $110,000 from this film. Isn't there, like, family drama with
3: him? Yes. Like, so
0: later, so when he was a kid, all of his money was um, being held by his parents because that's what happens to child actors. And very much in the same vein as Gary Coleman, his parents just spent his money. Like, mm. he got fucked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. For the first few films that he did, his first few major motion pictures, he got fucked. He got and us. then mm-hmm. he was, I don't know, pushed into putting his money somewhere else or not letting his parents touch it and, like, figured
3: it out. But, yeah, some shit yeah. happened.
2: Yeah, close. <clears throat>
3: Yeah, I just remember he like went to court over something, and I like as 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 an adult, the way that he turned out, I think there was just a lot of stuff going on in the family. Like it just it kind of clouds my. Yeah, well, that, like, I feel bad for the guy. Like, if
0: I remember correctly, from when it was happening, when he turned sixteen, I want to say he emancipated himself. Yeah, um, because he wanted to do it on his own. I mean, he was pretty much done acting. At that point, like, I mean, his major, like, stride was already over. Yeah. And he was just doing, like, indie films and random stuff at that point. But, yeah, he just, like, got emancipated and then was like, nope, I'm not, you're not touching my money anymore. So that's it for Home Alone 1. Stay tuned for Home Alone 2 coming up next. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at Allentown Pod or email us at allentownpresents at gmail.com and listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts and tell all your friends to listen to us too. So with that, good night. We love you. Bye.
2: See you guys. Bye.